What started with a simple Twitter post quickly turned into a huge workgroup on Slack and ultimately into Project Open Air, which is uniting collaborators on open source ventilators. In this interview, we will speak with Joao, founder of Project Open Air. He will talk about how and why Project Open Air started, his personal motivation to start it, and what's possible when experts from different fields meet and work together. A warm welcome to you, Joao. Could you introduce yourself? Hi, my name is Joao Cimento. I'm the founder of Project Open Air, and it's a pleasure to be here with you today. Maybe as the start of this interview, you can tell us about the story of Project Open Air. How and why did it start? Well, it all started with watching the news. Uh, I think I was watching a piece about the um, north of Italy where the doctors were having to choose between who gets a ventilator and who don't and because there were lack of ventilators. And so you, I went online and tried to understand how, uh, how was this possible because uh, apparently most of the ventilators were built in Asia so and so the, the logistic chain was broken because everything was stopped due to COVID. And uh, so, uh, trying to find out, applying first principles to, to a problem, say, okay, how can we solve this? Um, so is it possible for us to build a ventilator from scratch? Is it possible for us to handle the problem in, in, in any way that could be a faster solution? So I went to Twitter, um, looked for the hashtag open source ventilator, found two people talking about it, and I said, wait. We should join, we should team up. And I don't know anything about ventilators, but uh, let's find out someone who does. Uh, and that's, that was pretty much it. So we we got together, uh, three people in the beginning, then seven people in a Slack channel. And then I, I wrote a quick tweet and say, well, we're trying to um, build open source ventilators. So if you know anything about this, or if you know someone who does, please join us and then with, with the link. And that was it. And of that day, seven, eight people. Next day, 500 people, because it got traction to tweet, retweets. It was incredible. And next day, the media picked up the story. And we were in the uh, evening news in in, um, in, uh, in the Portuguese channel. And then on newspapers. Uh, so at the end of that week, it was almost 5,000 people who were trying to join the project. It was pretty crazy. It was pretty intense on the first days. Um, so I would say 90% of the time was just trying to handle everybody who was trying to join and trying to um, help and all the companies and institutions offering help and it was exactly at that time that I was reached by some local authorities who, who put at our disposal um, labs, teams, uh, heads of engineering and um, so we, we, we decided to um, get smaller teams because it would be just imagine five people talking at the same time it's complicated now imagine 500 people or 5,000 people it's 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 chaos the entropy it, it was absolutely madness um, so we teamed up smaller teams uh, the biggest was 23 people I guess uh, and start to actually um, uh, investigate ideas around open source ventilators and trying to uh, establish some viable um, lines of research and so we did. In our first call you told me that out of this one idea multiple other ideas emerged. So I think now you're focusing on four different projects, right? Could you tell us about those different projects? And at the same time we divided Project Open Air by 
um, four lines. We don't, we didn't want to, um, you know, just um, lose ourselves in tons of projects. But it were at least four uh, different projects that we we identified as as important. So the first was the ventilator, uh, building the, the ventilator, the open source. The second was um, building um, a platform, uh, an online platform where the hospitals could log in and um, they could uh, give information if they have ventilators that need some sort of assistance, if there was missing some parts, something that could be easily fixed. Um, and then we, we connected that platform with engineers all over the world, and with technicians, with universities. So we built that platform. That was the, 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 the second measure. The third project was around masks, social masks. So we connected uh, factories and volunteers and people who were trying to uh, get the best, the, the best um, dishes for masks, the best methods, the, the methodology, trying to, to see where the masks were most needed. The fourth project were the frontline medic protection kits. So we needed to um, protect our frontline, our, our the nurses, the doctors, people were in contact with the first line of COVID-19. So with the, the first line, um, we developed a, a full body kit that was um, and that is washable. Uh, so that way they didn't have to um, use one every day. So it's usable for 30 days. And we find we find partners to um, produce that kit. And so we did. Uh, we already deployed uh, 5,000 5, of those kits to the front line and there are a couple more already in production so soon we'll have uh, much more and it's it's quite uh, interesting because we, we made the tests and they can be washed above 65 degrees and then COVID-19 will, will be that uh, above uh, the 65 degrees uh, at least that was the tests that were made by a certified body and um, so we were quite happy with those four projects and all the other volunteers we tried to um, keep them engaged uh, with the community so every everybody uh, that volunteers try to reach us and say how, how can i help we say okay so uh, there's these organizations who are trying to recruit right now volunteers if you have a 3D printer, we have tons of people who joined us and asked us for 3D printers, said they had 3D printers and say, okay, so they are doing this type of part. So we tried to connect the dots pretty much. But those were our four main pillars, our four main projects. Coming back now to the main project, namely the one about the ventilators. Um, what is special about open source ventilators? What are maybe the advantages and are there any like disadvantages? We developed a ventilator, which is a minimal um, ventilator, which can be built and assembled everywhere worldwide with parts that can be sourced locally. This was extremely important for us uh, because it was exactly the, the root of the problem, which was we, as soon as the, the, the chain of, of uh, logistics was, was broken, we had to find a solution that could be assembled locally. So uh, the, the, the ventilator was developed exactly with, with this in mind. So it can be produced everywhere in the world and the parts are completely, they are super simple and they can be um, sourced locally. And, it, and it's quite cheap. 
So that usually a normal ventilator costs around 15,000 US dollars, 20, more or less, give or take. Uh, the solution is around 1,000 US dollars. Of course, it's a minimal solution. It's uh, for use only in case of emergency. It's not uh, a, a fancy machine, but it goes from point A to point B. If we can give you an example, uh, um, a Trabant and a Ferrari, they both go from point A to point B. One goes extremely fast and it's extremely expensive and the other can take a little bit longer, but it still goes there. So, Are the projects live today? Live? Yes, the projects are live. All the four projects are live. As you started the project and realized the idea and then tried to grow it, you received a lot of support. Could you talk a bit about this? I received a ton of help. Everybody pitched in. so. Um, I, I could say I received help of thousands of people, pretty much. Do you provide any possibilities for replication? Can other people copy or benefit from what you did? The ventilator is open source. It's published. We published a paper. It's online. Everybody can pretty much assemble the ventilator everywhere in the world. We've been uh, helping teams in some countries who reached to us and said, well, we're interested to uh, assemble the ventilator here, can you help us? Sure. And then we put the engineers in contact with them and try to help. That's it. With this project, do you have any plans for the future? Do you intend to scale it and grow further? We donated all our projects to Doctors of the World. So uh, it's a decision now for Doctors of the World. How can our viewers and listeners join your initiative? They can, the listeners can join Doctors of the World, which pretty much now owns Project Open Air. And that way, I guess they would always need some help of volunteers. So after hearing the amazing story of Project Open Air, let's talk a bit more about general social enterprises and especially the motivation to really get them started. Can you tell us what was your role before Project Open Air and what set the motivation to really start and realize the idea? Well, uh, I have I have a consulting company um, on um, and uh, I study neuroscience. Um, so in, uh, I do management consulting and I study neuroscience. I, I keep studying neuroscience. It's an area that, that I love and also artificial intelligence and behavioral economics. So it's some of the areas that I that I really passionate about. I want to do something to help, uh, and um, I felt we. We needed to do something to help. We were at the time that um, it, it was a complicated time. We were we had no information and we were seeing people really desperate and say, okay, what can we do to help? Yes, interesting. Because I have met so many students with bright ideas basically, but and I cannot quite understand that you are a bit hesitant to really realize these ideas. What basically gave you the courage and confidence to not only have the idea, but really go out with the idea and look to realize it? Well, I, anybody could have done it. It's, it's just, why not? What's the worst that can happen? People say, no, I cannot help you. That's it. I was just asking for people to help. And there you go. And two things that I've learned from this is um, when, you get, when you ask for help, uh, most of the time people do help. First and um, second is um, social media can be used for brilliant 
things and it's a tool it's pretty much it's a, it's a tool the same way as uh, with a knife you can cut some vegetables and make a soup you can also can use a knife to harm people social media is the same thing and we we use it to get together find solutions and help people that's it with this social enterprise what were the most important support factors uh support factors were most important the community absolutely the community people the engagement the will to do good and we got extremely spoiled because then you get used to have some of the best brains in the world working together for free and you can pretty much uh, try the most crazy ideas you know so you, and then you get really spoiled because you get an idea and say hey what if, what if you do this and you get all that brain power and in real life it's not like this because you don't have access to this type of um, brain power for free we had engineers from Formula One teams working with us. It was amazing. A question also very relevant to all potential starters of a social enterprise is how did you finance your idea and your working time in the beginning? From my pocket. It was not that expensive. I did a website, so it, it was it was quite cheap. And then my time, I fortunately, I have everything was suspended, so I didn't have to study or work so I dedicated pretty much uh, 18 hours a day to the project and the rest of the time I tried to eat and sleep sometimes but that was it. As a final question you told me in our first talk that you were um, approached by a lot of big companies and investors that were looking to support Project Open Air. Um, did it ever occur to you to sell the idea or make a profit out of it or was it clear from the beginning that this is a social enterprise? We never considered doing Project Open Air as a business. It's open source, it's the genesis of the idea, it's open source, it's to share. Um, and then we didn't want to perpetuate ourselves when our objective was 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 achieved. And it was when we, we made the, the open source ventilators and we published and say, okay, it's it, it's here. Everybody can do the, the open source ventilator. So we donated all the, the projects to doctors of the world so they can do anything they want with, with the project. If um, anything happens after that, any spin-off uh, will be born after that, it's something to evaluate between us, the board of Doctors of the World, and because uh, we have been approached with investors and people who wanted to escalate some of the ideas, some of the business, but uh, again, it, it, was not, it was not the main idea. Uh, we were trying to solve a problem, we solved that problem, and that was it, it was done. Now, if, uh, everything that goes after that, it will... We have to think about it, I don't know. And with these final words, we have reached the end of this interview. Thank you so much, Joao. If you enjoyed this format, please hit like, tell your friends about us and subscribe to our channel. Feel inspired? Find out how to get involved by heading to our website, covid-wise.org. COVIDWISE is a production by the Social Business Model Panorama and Copenhagen Business School.